Greetings to all of you. I want to welcome all of us at Centre Church, those of us here at Centre Campus, as well as those joining us from our campus in Beerspa, Bridgeland, Airdrie, and South Calgary. I also want to welcome our online viewers as well. In our study in the book of Exodus, we come to a significant portion of Scripture. You can call this the high point of the whole book of Exodus. In fact, this is the high point of the entire Old Testament. So significant is this event that it's recalled nearly 25 times in the Old Testament. This may be one of the most popular stories in Sunday school. This is so special that movies have been made about it. I'm referring to how God delivered the Israelites by parting the Red Sea. Before we delve into the text, I want to set it up by sharing a biblical principle with you. God delights in revealing Himself to His children. He loves to encounter us. He wants us to know Him more and more. And those encounters with God have a remarkable, life-changing impact on our life. And here's the deal. Encounters with God often happens in the midst of life's great dilemmas. When you are in a tight corner. When life is going well, you're coasting along, everything is predictable, few people seem to have a life-changing encounter with God. But I hear stories over and over, both in the Bible as well as in our contemporary lives, in the midst of a dilemma, when we feel like we are trapped, when we are in a catch-22 situation, when we don't see any way of escape, when all doors seem to be slammed shut. Those are the watershed moments in life when we encounter God's character in the most profound way. And it turns into an unforgettable moment. Like the parting of the Red Sea became a defining moment that will never be forgotten in the history of Israel. In the same way, God can use our dilemma to reveal His splendor and glory that will mark our lives going forward. The last time I preached, we saw when the Israelites left Egypt and were heading to the Promised Land, God deliberately led them on a longer route. Rather than the usual route to Canaan, which would have taken them eight to ten days, God led them on an alternate route that took them in the opposite direction. And it is in this path the Israelites encountered the Red Sea. In the Hebrew language, Red Sea is translated Yam Suf. The word Suf means reeds, like the papyrus reed. The word yam refers to a body of water, like a sea or a lake. So a literal translation of yam suf would be sea of reeds. Now some liberal Bible scholars think this was a shallow lake, a lake of reeds, a marshy area, and the Israelites just waded their way through this lake. And in explaining it this way, these scholars downplay the miracle and the significance of the event. 
However, when you read the Bible text in Exodus chapter 14, you can see this was no shallow water. When the Israelites walked on dry ground, there were walls of water on either side, signifying the depth of the body of water. And it was deep enough to destroy a powerful army and drown them. Now, if this was a marshy lake, it would be even more miraculous that a fierce army drowns in such shallow water. All this to say, liberal scholars don't do justice to the Bible. The Bible is a supernatural book because we have a supernatural God. And miracles happen because with God, all things are possible. So the truth is, the Israelites crossed a large body of water on dry ground, and the Egyptians who attempted to do the same drowned in the process. So with this in mind, let's look at our text in Exodus chapter 14, verses 5 to 14. And if you're physically able, I'll ask you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Exodus 14, verses 5 to 14. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hahiroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Would you pray with me? Lord, we quieten our hearts right now. And we fix our eyes on you, the God who fights all of our battles. Lord, I don't know who needs this word this weekend, what circumstances people here are going through. Lord, we pray that you will personalize this message for us, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will strengthen our faith, that you will breathe your life through the proclamation of your truth, that you will have your way in our hearts and our hearts will be ready and receptive to hear what you have to say. So strengthen us through the speaking of your word. 
For we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. There was a family driving back home from church. The mom asked the little boy, Hey, what did you learn in Sunday school today? The boy said, We learn about how the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. Oh, that is interesting. Tell me something more about it, said mom. The boy responded, Well, it was like this. They built a massive bridge over the sea, and they hopped onto big buses, and they crossed the bridge over to the other side. And the Egyptians tried to do the same, but God sent some F-16 military fighter jets and dropped bombs and destroyed the Egyptians. And as you can see, mom was very concerned about the theology of the church and the Sunday school in particular. So she said, really? Is that what they taught you in Sunday school? The boy replied, well, no. But if I told you what they taught me, you will never believe. <laughs> well, even kids know that there are some portions of the Bible that are supernatural and you cannot give rational explanations to those things. In what seemed like a losing cause, God intervened and revealed himself to the Israelites. God allowed them to go through a dire situation. There was no way out. And then he shows up as the way maker and the people of God encountered him in a dramatic way. You cannot ignore God's hand in all of this. For God clearly had a plan. He led them to the Red Sea and created this dilemma so that through this crisis, the Israelites will come to know him more. Now that's very clear in our text in Exodus 14, the first part, verses 1 to 4. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and, and camp near by Hahiroth, between Migdol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. It's very clear here in our text. The Israelites didn't face this dilemma because they were disobeying God or they were doing something contrary to God's will for their life. No, they faced this dilemma precisely because they were following in the path of obedience. God had his hand on what was about to unfold. From a military strategy point of view, this was an absolutely foolish decision. For this path would lead them to a trap. But God says here in the text, through this incident, I will gain glory. That word glory means weightiness or heaviness. It speaks of God's splendor and majesty. 
When the glory of God is revealed, it elicits human praise. So this very catch-22 situation that the Israelites were in, hedged between an army and the sea, was the perfect setting for God to demonstrate His power and glory. Through this act, God's name would be praised forever. Now, going back to the principle that I stated in the beginning, powerful God encounters happen in the midst of life's great dilemmas. Call it a crisis. Something that you cannot navigate in your own strength. And if God doesn't come through, you're doomed. God may allow circumstances like that in our life that cause intense pressure, turmoil, gives you sleepless nights. And the intent all along is to reveal himself to you in a powerful way. That this incident would shape your faith for the rest of your spiritual journey. That in times of discouragement, you will be able to look back at that very moment and say, the God who came through for me then is able to do it now. It becomes a milestone or a marker in our spiritual journey, something we will never, ever forget. Now look at Israel. They left Egypt overnight. The Egyptians begged for them to leave. They even gave them their treasure and valuables. And Pharaoh himself had given his consent. He says, get out of here, go. So it, the Israelites are dreaming about a new start, life in the promised land, all the exciting prospects that were ahead of them. Everything looked rosy. And little did the Israelites know that there was a crisis heading their way. For our text says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he decided to pursue them. Now, we dealt with this challenge in one of the earlier sermons in Exodus. And sometimes in the book of Exodus, it says, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And there are other times it says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, when the text says God hardened Pharaoh's heart, it doesn't mean God is forcing Pharaoh to do something that he is unwilling to do. God is clearly not coercing him to do it. No, God is merely letting Pharaoh do what he has already determined in his heart. A Pharaoh's heart is bent on doing evil, and God is merely removing the guardrails and he is allowing him to carry out his intent. So what happens as a result of that? All of a sudden, Pharaoh says, what have I done? Why did I let the Israelites go? These slaves were working hard. We had such good laborers. They were great assets. What are we going to do without them? Let me go get them back. The Israelites face a dilemma, and not because they were disobedient, not because they were being reckless. No, they were following God, God's path, God's plan. They were led by Him, and this was a dilemma God had ordained to teach them a life lesson they will never forget. That This was an experience from which, humanly speaking, there was no way out. 
But through this experience, the Israelites will learn where there seems to be no way, God will make a way for He is a way maker. What does Pharaoh do? He gets all his chariots and horses and he rallies his troops and he is now pursuing the Israelites. Chariots were the advanced weaponry of that time. It's like the fighter jets of today. So the strongest military empire of that time rallies its best military troops together so they can pursue a ragtag bunch of slaves. The Israelites are camped before the sea. Behind them is Pharaoh's army fast approaching. In front of them is the deep blue sea. Clearly, they were trapped. There was no way out. An outright disaster was on the cards. Our text says in verse 10, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. When the Israelites looked up and they realized what was happening, they were pulverized by fear. An army, a mighty army is approaching from behind. They have the sea in the front. What can they do? This is not a situation you can maneuver your way out. There are no human solutions to this problem. They were stuck. And they cried out to God in their distress. That same phrase was used earlier in the book of Exodus when the Israelites were in slavery, being abused, taken advantage of, facing the brunt of injustices, making these bricks in the hot sun. At that moment in desperation, they cried out to God, and God heard their cries for deliverance. Faced with yet another hopeless situation, once again, the people of God cry out to Him. But they realize they were powerless to fix this problem. They needed a divine intervention. And that was God's purpose in leading them down this path to help them to come to that realization that before they settle in the promised land, before they start this new life, they needed to depend on God. That they can't do this on their own, left to their own resources. They will fail. God may in our own lives Permit, please note, not necessarily cause, but allow events and circumstances to teach us dependence. God may allow a fiery trial in your life if that's what it's going to take to get your attention. In your helplessness, you come to experience God like never before. You learn vital lessons in your faith journey that will serve you well for the rest of your life. Anybody here feel like you're in a situation like this right now? An argument with a spouse is relatively small, 
But what is a small argument starts to fester and you don't talk for days. And before you know, there's a wide crack in your relationship. Your spouse is talking about taking a break and you didn't see that coming. But before this trial, you thought you had a good marriage. You even counseled other people. You never imagined you will have problems with your spouse. But things start to unravel really fast and you feel so helpless. In that point in your life, you come to that stage where you say, Lord, I need your help. I don't know what to do. You cry out to him. And you thought you had the best kids. They're so sweet and kind-hearted. They love coming to church. You have such rich family times of prayer. And then your kids hit this phase in life. They start resenting the church. They want nothing to do with God. They're dating the wrong person. They're hanging out in the wrong parties. And you try to sit down and talk to them and you are not getting anywhere. And then all they do is give you that stare. And at that moment in your life, you come to the realization there's nothing that you can do in your power to change your kids. In that place of utter desperation, you go down on your knees and you say, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. Your life was going smooth. You're climbing the ladder of success. You have a great future ahead of you. Then all of a sudden, you start developing some health issues. You go see the doctor. They give you a series of tests. And then you get that dreaded call from the doctor's office. We need to see you ASAP. And you're saying to yourself, that can't be me. I have no time for these things. I have my life planned for the next 5, 10, 15 years. I have laid them all out. And then realization all of a sudden hits and you sink in the chair and you say, Lord, help me, get me out of this situation. Now all of these are contemporary parallels to what the Israelites faced that day. But these situations are fertile grounds for a God encounter. But at this point of helplessness, you realize you cannot do anything in your power, but your help comes from the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and earth. Facing a perilous, hopeless situation, hedged between Pharaoh's army and the deep blue sea, the Israelites cried out to God in desperation. And soon, they got angry and bitter. And they turn to Moses and they demand, why did you bring us out of Egypt, Moses? We were happy slaves in Egypt. We were having a great time. And you brought us here so we could die in the desert. And that's going to be a familiar story in the remainder of Exodus. You wonder, why God took so long to prepare Moses. Those long seasons of anonymity in the wilderness. 
shaping him and molding him and imparting those leadership lessons. Because God knew what Moses had to face, the hostility of his own people, one challenge after another. God was preparing Moses to be a spiritual leader for a people group who were too quick to forget what God had done for them. So listen to Moses' words carefully. These are powerful words. Verses 13 and 14 of our text. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. These are one of the greatest statements of faith you will find in the Bible. Faced with an impossible odd, facing death and total annihilation, Moses clings to God with resolute confidence. And when the Israelites look back, they see the chariots and the mighty army approaching. They look ahead and they see this giant sea. And Moses stops all of them and he says, be still, remain calm, don't stress. And when you're going through a crisis, it's not easy to be still. There are a million things are raising in your mind. You're trying to solve your problem. You try to exhaust all of your options for help. You look to human solutions. You do everything in your power to find a way out. But the purpose of the Red Sea experience is to teach you, you cannot find your way out. You need to look to the way maker. That's the reason God has allowed this in the first place, to teach us valuable lessons on dependence. Now, hear me. I'm not advocating for passivity, that we should do nothing about our problems. I'm not saying just sit in an easy chair and relax. No. But this is a critical issue here. This is where it all boils down to. In your heart, you need to come to the deep resolution that the Lord has to fight your battles. You need to yield, surrender, give control over to Him, and you need to declare with your mouth, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I'm helpless. I need you. And I tell you, it is so easy for resourceful, prideful people like us to place our confidence on human solutions and try to fight our battles with our own weapons. Now, I don't care how resourceful you are, how strong you are, how capable you are. You cannot fight life's problems with your own strength. If you believe that, life will surprise you and prove you to be wrong. Let God fight all of our battles. That is the lesson he wants to etch within every Christian heart. 
He wants to reveal our misplaced confidence. So whatever enemies we may be staring at, let God take them on. For if he is fighting for you, you have nothing to fear. All of the resources of heaven are at your disposal. Victory is yours if you have God on your side. Remain still until you have resolved this issue within your heart. You can't, but God can. So let him represent you in all of your battles. And when you come out of this seemingly impossible situation, you will not credit yourself or some human agent, but you will learn to give God all glory, honor, and praise. That will be your testimony. And why is that so important? God is very concerned about his glory. That is the one thing he will never share with anybody else. So he deserves the highest praise in all of our breakthroughs. Here's verses 15 and 16 of our text. And the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Moses had called everybody to be still. And in the stillness, he receives direction from the Lord. And now it was time for action to obey God in the face of chaos. And sometimes that is the hardest part. Many of us get stuck here. When it's time to move forward, we remain passive. We are paralyzed by our fears and we don't do anything. And we keep praying for guidance and God would say, I've already given you your next step. It's time for you to act. Move forward. Now how do you move forward when you're facing a sea? That's where faith comes into play. Look at the Israelites. They moved forward forward towards the water. They faced their opposition head on. They knew God was fighting for them, so they took one step of faith after another. Hebrews 11, called as the faith chapter of the Bible, says this about the crossing of the Red Sea. Hebrews eleven twenty nine. By faith... The people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. How did they pass through the Red Sea? By faith. What is faith? Faith is at most confidence in God and His character. 
irrespective of how your situation or your circumstances may look like. So you move forward by faith, even though you don't see clearly. You take the next step, though the waters have not parted yet. For if you can see what is ahead of you, then you don't need faith. A biblical faith is confidence in what we hope for, the assurance of the things that we cannot see. Though we cannot see with our natural eyes, we believe by faith that God will stay true to all of His promises. That's how the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, by faith. One step of faith after another. The Bible is very clear. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Our faith becomes a, a channel for God to work. Faith grabs on to God's promises. Now imagine if you have a car with brakes that work only half of the time. Well, you will have a hard time placing your faith in that car. At every intersection, every stop sign, every red light, every crosswalk, your heart will skip a beat. Every time you hit the brake, you'll be wondering, what's going to happen? That kind of a car that works only half of the time is unreliable. Let me ask you today, is our God like that? Does He come through only half of the time? Is He that unreliable? Believers all around the world, all through the ages, testify that God of the Bible is always faithful, always trustworthy, always reliable. He is almighty. He is all-powerful. He is able to do infinitely more than we can ask or think or even imagine. That is the God we serve. That is our Christian testimony. That's what faith is, clinging to a God who cannot fail you. The Israelites learned that crucial lesson. And lo and behold, the waters parted, and God made a way for His people to walk on dry ground. And they walked with walls of water on either side. The sea split. It's a strong word, like the splitting of wood. When a strong person takes an axe and with one stroke splits the wood. In the same way, the sea split open. That's the kind of visual imagery here. A text says in verses 19 and 20, And the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. God's presence 
moved away from the front of the Israelites. And I'm sure for a moment there must have been some panic in the Israelite camp. For they couldn't see God's presence in the front. That pillar of cloud was the visible sign of God's presence in front of them, leading them and guiding them. But all of a sudden, that presence is gone. They can't see it. It's not there anymore. Until somebody turned back and they said, there it is. There's the presence of God. He has come behind us. That pillar of cloud came in between the Israelites and the Egyptians. The enemies of Israel were bent on destroying them, but the presence of God shielded His people. And I see an application right here. You know, if you sense God is withdrawing His presence, if you don't sense His leading or guiding, don't panic too soon. If God is not in front of you, He's behind you, shielding you from your enemies. You know, as followers of Christ, we all have a common enemy. The enemy who's roaring like a lion seeking to devour us. But when God fights for you, His presence comes in between and He becomes your shield. See, the presence of God is the favor of God, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God from behind upholding you and undergirding you. And the same presence has the opposite effect on the enemy. It throws the enemy into confusion. It becomes a barrier. And as hard as the enemy tries, he can penetrate the protective presence of God upon our lives. God's protective shield is over your life if you are a follower of Christ. The Egyptians who followed the same path and tried to pursue the Israelites drowned in the sea. As soon as the Israelites finished crossing, the Lord caused the sea to roll back. And all of these mighty chariots the entire Egyptian army goes down. Not one of them survives. They face utter defeat. And do you know something? No longer would the Egyptians be a great threat to God's people. They were defeated and conquered once and for all. And here's this crucial verse. Verses 30 and 31. This is the point God wanted to teach His people. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in Him and in Moses, His servant. But that day, through this dilemma, God's people learned something that led to awe and worship. When they saw God's mighty hand, that changed everything. For they were haunted by a wrong kind of fear, 
fear of their problems, fear of the insurmountable odds that they were facing. But that was now replaced with the right kind of fear, the fear of God. And the Red Sea crossing became a historic marker, a milestone that will never be forgotten in the history of the nation. The Old Testament writers would go back over and over to highlight God's miraculous powers against these seemingly impossible odds. So looking back, the Israelites could see that that very great dilemma that faced them that night served as an opportunity to see God's hand for God's glory to be demonstrated and their faith will never be the same as a result of that. Let me ask you, what about the dilemmas that you're facing today? Are you merely overwhelmed by the size of your problem? Or do you see this as the perfect opportunity for God to display His mighty hand? But this catch-22 situation that you are in can provide the greatest platform for God to demonstrate His splendor and glory. That this can become an unforgettable moment in your life that will become a marker that will define the rest of your journey. I ask all of us to stand right now. Our team is going to come and lead us in a song. And before they come, I want to ask us to pause, be still in the quietness of this moment. Let's fix our eyes on God, His character, His reliability. I know there's some of you here you are facing a challenge for which you have no answers. There's nothing that you can do, no human solutions to your problems. And I want to remind you today, we have a God who is a way maker. He has not changed. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Where there seems to be no way, God can make a way. If we let him fight our battles. Some of us just need to take that load that you're carrying and you're going to give up and say, Lord, here it is. And you cast it at the feet of Jesus and receive his strength. Receive his assurance. Be reminded of who he is. And let faith arise in this place. Now let's make it a moment of silence. And then our team will lead us in a song.